Hi fellow Marists and other listeners, welcome to this episode of the Marist Association of St Marcelin Champagne's podcast. I'm Tracy Dublay from the membership team and today I'm presenting a collection of readings from the October edition of our Christ Life publication. Now we're missing a few of our regular voices this edition so I hope you don't mind that I will be reading their contributions so that you get the chance to hear as many stories as possible. To read the full edition, check your email inboxes from last Wednesday the 4th of October or go to the association website marisassociation.org.au and click on the news menu tab or scroll down the homepage to the latest news. Amina Maris this month is Father Barry Dwyer from the Parks Forbes area in the Riverina district of New South Wales. And this time we have the audio of Father Barry's Mita Maris segment for you to hear. Our editorialist this month is Elizabeth Gallagher, who is Head of Governance, Risk and Legal for Mara Schools Australia in our mascot office. Michael Everson, Editor of Christ Life and Coordinator of Membership for the Association, is reading Liz's editorial. I believe Liz is in Rome at the moment. Now the big news is our upcoming event, our national virtual gathering for association members. It's on Wednesday night, 18th of October, at 7pm Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time. And I'll be telling you more about that in a bit. All right then, grab your cuppa, settle into your seats and let's go. Hi, it's Michael Iverson here, Coordinator of Membership. And today I'm pleased to read our editorial by my colleague Elizabeth Gallagher, the Head of Governance, Risk and Legal for Mara Schools Australia. Liz says that we are about to receive two very precious gifts in our upcoming referendum. Determining our own law, listening with the ear of the heart. On the 14th of October, we will be the recipients of two gifts. The first is the gift of determining our own law. The upcoming referendum allows us to craft our constitution personally as the people of Australia. It is not decided by political parties in parliament or judges in a courtroom. We will each directly put our stake in the ground by saying yes or no to recognising Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples in the way they have determined best. This ability to change the foundation of our country is something citizens of many other countries could not even imagine. The second gift is that of free will. God's gift to us allows us the freedom to answer this question ourselves with all its implications. It has often been said that if people were not given free will, then doing good, life-giving and unifying things would have little or no meaning. Respect for these gifts, then, demands careful discernment of the proposed change in our Constitution. Discerning the answer starts with listening. Pope Francis, in his 2022 message for World Communications Day, urged people to listen with the ear of the heart to all that is said, but in particular, to the stories of those in need. As we Maris have consistently asserted, there are many different voices and stories to be heard, and they should all be approached with care and without judgment. However, the stories or voices that should be loudest for us 
are those that rose up for the Uluru Statement of the Heart. And those are the stories that should call us to action. Regardless of the outcome of the referendum, those are the voices that will ring long in our hearts. Thank you. National Virtual Gathering, an invitation to all members. The membership team is delighted to advise all members of an important upcoming event. It will be a wonderful opportunity to further foster the sense of belonging and connection between members, a desire that was strongly endorsed at last year's National Assembly. On Wednesday, 18th of October at 7pm Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time, we will be hosting an Australia-wide, or even international, virtual gathering to which all members are invited. There will be lots of opportunity for discussion, as well as input from our wonderful mission and life formation team. If you've not already done so, please register by Friday the 13th of October. Now to do this, you will have to go to the Christ Life email that was sent last Wednesday on the 4th of October. We will send you a Zoom meeting link in a reminder email on Wednesday the 11th of October. Hoping to see you virtually soon and we'll be in touch. Sydney East Regional Gathering Presentation Recording of Marist Education Presentation by Brother Michael Green One of the two Marist Association of St Marcelin Champagne Regional Gatherings that took place on 31st of August was held at Marcelin College Randwick and featured a presentation by Brother Michael Green speaking on Marist Education. Brother Michael kindly allowed his presentation to be recorded so we can share it with the wider Marist Association family and others who would be interested. Brother Michael talks about Marist education, what it was, what it is, what its future could become, and reveals that love is the foundation of education. We highly recommend this talk to all Marists of Champagne. You can listen on the Association website or on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Brother Bob O'Connor from the Morris Brothers community at Marsland House Randwick in the eastern suburbs of Sydney and formerly on the staff at the Hermitage Retreat Centre at Mittagong. This is our reflection for Miriam of Nazareth for Christ's Life, October 2023. Across the centuries then, from the earliest days through to our own times, various festivals and feast days of Miriam of Nazareth abound. Many are profoundly scriptural. Annunciation, visitation, assumption, or as the Western Church beautifully calls that, the Dormition, with its varying understanding from both the Eastern and Western Churches. Some are cultural and specific to countries or regions of our world Guadalupe, Chestahova, Lourdes, Fatima, Loreto, Knock, and some even, at least for some of us, embarrassing and inappropriate or at least unhelpful in coming to know her more and more as truly our sister in the sense of such feasts continuing to isolate Mary from the human condition and establishing her more and more distant from the very people of God for whom she is a model and guide, such as Immaculate Conception, Immaculate Heart of Mary, Queenship of Mary, Purification of Mary, and so on. 
And I quote now from Elizabeth Johnson, a great Marian scholar and scripture scholar, American Josephite sister. She writes, the idea that this woman should be thought of in historical terms bears closer scrutiny because the history of Marian doctrine and devotion gives clear evidence that this has not been standard practice. The fact that Miriam of Nazareth has been depicted in so many diverse ways, from the humble handmaid to the powerful queen of heaven, indicates that the human imagination has been at work crafting symbols. By contrast, situating this woman in the communion of saints focuses on the fact that she is in truth a very concrete historical human being with her own ultimate destiny in God. A basic issue that arises at the outset then is whether and to what extent the figure of Mary is or should be symbolic. One of the most promising approaches in recent times for both ecumenism and spirituality has been the move to symbolize Mary as the ideal or perfect disciple. The work of Protestant scholar Wolfhard Pannenberg, for example, argued cogently the significant difference between Christology, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, while Mariology possessing no such historical basis, is the more open to being shaped by diverse projections regarding the virtues and values of the ideal believer. Further, biblical scholar Raymond Brown, Catholic priest, likewise suggested that it is precisely this lack of knowledge of the young Hebrew woman, Miriam, lends itself to a symbolic trajectory through Christian history. Thus, through later ages in the church, it continuously translated the virtues of discipleship into descriptions of Miriam's character. Hence, Miriam's association with desert mothers, prophets, mystics. And so we continue to rediscover the riches of Mary's simplicity and profound faithfulness. End of quote. This is a recording from our Mita Maris this month, Father Barry Dwyer. How did I get involved with the Maris? I went to a Maris school in my primary school. Uh, and um, as a priest, there are Maris uh, schools were run both in Broken Hill and Parks, where I, Parks is where I grew up and went to school with the Maris brothers. And then uh, while I was appointed to Broken Hill, I was uh, also uh, the administrator at one stage and became involved again with the school, both as um, working as more or less a chaplain, but also as the administrator. Um, so uh, that's how I really got involved with the Marist in the first place. And what does it mean to be Marist today? Well, I think that uh, one of the things is their philosophy and their theology, particularly as Mary is a good lead into Christ for all of us. And Mary being um, the mother of the church reminds us of the need for humility, but also that we too should be leading others to Christ. And it enriches my spiritual life by um, the very fact that I can look to the Marist tradition um, and both their philosophy and theology uh, is very much akin to the church's one of mission, uh, reaching out particularly to young people and also into social justice. Um, so 
the other thing I think too was that my first overseas trip was with through the Maris at Red Bend College Forbes, uh, where I went over to areas of poverty with the Mini Vinnies, which were sponsored by their college, and we went to areas of uh, poverty in uh, Indonesia and also in the Philippines. And then meeting Maris, uh, who's still in the parish, um, through Red Bend, um, and particularly others that I know who are friends of mine that are also uh, involved with the Maoist uh, brothers and also with their uh, uh, executive members. Then uh, I was invited to join the Maoist Association. And I think that uh, that gives me a sense of community because uh, and a belonging because I think that uh, we have much the same ideas and someone I can discuss uh, theological issues with um, and also uh, help each other to grow spiritually uh, and um, develop our own spirituality. Um, and what do I do in my spare time? Well, I like to travel. I like photography. Um, I read a lot. Um, I don't mind watching now and again a bit of telly. I particularly like, uh, uh, I suppose, uh, fast action stuff, being a police chaplain for 40 years, and uh, that also makes me involved in the interesting aspects of policing and so on. I think what brings me joy is my own priesthood, 50 years a priest, um, and I think that it's helped me to grow as a human being, I, and it's been very good to me. I just hope that I've been very good to the priesthood. And I'm passionate about, um, I think, working with people and particularly helping people to come to know and understand their own talents and their own gifts and also in terms of helping them to have a relationship with Christ as well as having a relationship with others. Hi, my name is Lucas and I'm a proud member of the Morris Youth Ministry team in Sydney. And at MIM, I've had so many wonderful experiences that I will cherish for the rest of my life. By far the most notable are the relationships and connections I've had the joy of forming with many like-minded Maris throughout the last year. Meeting the Lavala 200 community in Mount Druitt was a very special experience for me as they are perfect Maris role models that live out the Maris characteristics in their work and day-to-day -day life. Having the courage and desire to say yes to volunteering in the way of Mary gave them an opportunity to show simplicity and presence as they support those around them with family spirit. At the centre of everything they do is their love of work. The way they live out the Mara's characteristics and clearly enjoy doing so creates an air of electric and attractive authenticity. When I first volunteered with MIM, I gave the students the advice that you only get out of these events what you put into them. Since then, I've been carrying out this advice myself and aiming to replicate the energy that the Lavala 200 team brings to a room. Ultimately, I do this to cultivate as much engagement and student interaction as possible so that they may make the most out of these opportunities they are presented with, both within and outside of MIM. As my friend and former teammate Ollie said, at its core, MIM is about relationships. I have had the pleasure of forming connections with Ruben, Sylvia, Kim and brother Laurie from Lavala 200 and am so grateful for their help at our Year 11 Forum and Mega Connect events this year. I have had the opportunity to learn from Lavala 200 on several occasions with both students and young adults and thank them for being role models by which I can improve my connection with those around me. 
Forming these connections has been an amazing part of my MIM journey that I am excited to continue into the future, constantly growing closer to my Morris family. Tracy again. I'm going to read this um, reflection from Brother Michael Flanagan titled, For You Are Beautiful and I Have Loved You Dearly. Let Your God Love You Poem by an anonymous writer Be silent, be still, alone, empty before your God. Say nothing, ask nothing, be silent, be still. Let your God look upon you, that is all. God knows, God understands. God loves you with an enormous love and only wants to look upon you with that generous love. Quiet, be still. Let your God love you. This was the prayer with which our last reflection ended. It is so powerful. One could do a whole retreat just meditating on these 50 or so words. Reading it again reminds me of an earlier reflection on St. Augustine's words, I love you. I want you to be. I want you to be. God actually wants me to be. Recently, while skipping through my playlist of favourite songs, I came again upon that haunting and romantic ballad by Roger Whittaker, who has just passed away, called The Last Farewell. There is something very special about this song. Whittaker sold 11 million copies of it. But the words of the chorus grabbed me and it seemed I was hearing them for the first time. For you are beautiful, and I have loved you dearly, more dearly than the spoken word can tell. For you are beautiful, and I have loved you dearly, more dearly than the spoken word can tell. Imagine in some very quiet moment that the Lord is saying these words to you. Maybe you're a bit like me, and not many people have said these words to you. If you look at the words again carefully, you will notice that they do not say that God loves us because we are beautiful. Every person is beautiful in God's eyes. And they are loved so greatly that words cannot express the immensity of that love. The beauty referred to here when God speaks the word is not a physical beauty. This is a beauty that is much deeper. It is of the essence of who we are as human persons. We hear today so many voices raised in adulation of the body. But when you stop and think about it, what has a person who is physically attractive actually done to deserve such adulation? Like someone who boasts of being wealthy, even though they merely inherited their parents' money. An attractive, handsome person has inherited certain characteristics that make them thus. Although that's perfectly fine, and there's nothing wrong in being physically attractive, do they deserve medals? 
It is crucial in our lives that we accept and know that God loves us dearly. And we are beautiful in God's eyes, no matter how we look, how intelligent we are, what ethnic background we come from, what belief system we have been raised in. I'm hearing in my mind those simple words from a cover by Joe Cocker. You are so beautiful to me. Can't you see? You're everything I hoped for. You're everything I need. You are so beautiful to me. Can you hear God saying this to you? Not always. Join the club. I wish I could say that I accept this reality, that I know it deep within me. It's an ongoing struggle to see myself as God sees me. Why does this matter? Because we interpret a sense that God does not love us deeply as a belief that I am not worthwhile. We don't sit in a quiet place and yell at God that we're not loved. We sit in any place and say that we're not lovable. How could God possibly love me? How could I be everything that God hoped for? Self-acceptance, self-esteem, self-love is the basis of a healthy and deep spirituality. The remarkable theologian Johannes Baptist Metz sums this up succinctly. Our self-acceptance is the basis of the Christian creed. Ascent to God starts in our ascent to ourselves. Knowing the temptation that humanity itself is, knowing how readily we try to escape the harsh distress of the human situation, knowing how difficult it is for us to bear with ourselves, knowing how difficult it is for us not to hate ourselves, we can then understand why God had to prescribe self-love as a virtue. We must learn to accept ourselves in the painful experiment of living. We must embrace the spiritual adventure of becoming human. Quoted from Poverty of Spirit The extraordinary Therese of Lisieux is quoted as saying, I say nothing to him. I love him. Therese believed that Jesus was constantly with her, without the noise of words. This does not spare her from times of great doubt, but she obviously practised the art of letting God love her. This is essential for Marists who want to make Jesus known and loved. They must first know and love him, and they must be convinced that they are known and loved by him. Loved more dearly than spoken words can tell. Hi Marist friends, this is Adam Burns, Communications Officer at Australia Marist Solidarity. I recently travelled to Cambodia where I got to learn about some of the important work AMS is doing to support children living with disabilities. Here I want to share my experience meeting with families whose lives have been transformed thanks to the support of Lavala and my own experience revisiting after travelling on immersion nearly 17 years ago. In 1998, a small but ambitious program was launched in Phnom Penh. Helmed by brother Terence Heinrich, the Lavala Primary School opened its doors to children with physical disabilities. Fast forward to 2023 and the Lavala Project in Takmal, on the edge of Phnom Penh, is a buzzing precinct 
including a primary school, staff housing, offices and a boarding village for high school students. Such a project aimed at inclusive education is still a rarity in Cambodia, despite nearly 360,000 children and young people under the age of 20 living with a disability. Religious and cultural stigma and discrimination still prevail. Disability is regarded as a result of bad karma for misdeeds in that person's previous life. Accessing education is further complicated when only 10% of schools have ramps and seated toilets. Teachers who are inadequately prepared to teach children with a disability. High levels of poverty, distance to travel to school and difficulties in finding accessible transport are also key barriers to education. Let's consider the story of Leanne, one of the students at Lavala and whose name we've changed for privacy reasons. Leanne has reduced use of her limbs due to polio. Living in a remote area, her closest option for education was the ill-equipped primary school. Accessing classrooms and facilities was often impossible in a wheelchair, and when the school couldn't provide alternative access, Leanne's own father built ramps himself. Leanne's family made the difficult decision to send her to Lavala, where she would board for the duration of the school year. Despite the long stretches of separation, this would see Leanne receive a quality education and life-changing physical therapy in a safe environment. I visited Leanne's family in August and talked with them about the Lavala Project's impact on their family. You could see Leanne's father well up. He cannot believe how much Leanne has advanced in her learning and in her mobility. A dusty, battered wheelchair sits in the background as he marvels at his daughter playing with her younger sibling. Lavala has given Leanne more than an education. It's provided her a future. The Lavala legacy extends beyond the students. This became clear to me talking with Vassal, who was behind the wheel the day we drove over 300 kilometres around the Kampong Cham province meeting families. Vassal first became involved with the Maris Brothers when Brother Terry employed him as a security guard at the Brothers' residence of Phnom Penh. When the Lavala School was opened, Vassal followed and he has worked at the school ever since. Hearing about how Vassal ended up at Lavala, I asked him why he has continued to work there. I am not finished, he told me. I have something more to give because Lavala has given me so much. I went on assignment to Lavala to capture compelling stories. And in the five days that we were on campus, it became clear that every inch of the place is imbued with compelling stories. I should have known because I myself had one of those life altering encounters at Lavala 17 years ago as a year 11 student on immersion. Like countless other Mara students and staff, Immersing in the Lavala community inspired a deep conversion of heart and mind. The AMS 2024 Schools Campaign offers us a rich opportunity for solidarity, with its focus on the Lavala Project. We invite all our friends to learn about this very special place as we support them in a special way next year. AMS will be sharing more about the 2024 Schools Campaign in Term 4. Look out for the full school's campaign kit at the end of the year.
Hello, this is Pat O'Reilly, Director of Mission, Inclusion and Identity at Maris 180, and this is our September Christlife article. At a time soon after we had welcomed a new millennium, dodged the Y2K bug, and enjoyed staging of the Olympics in Sydney, Jackie Smith joined the team at Maris Community Services, which soon became Maris Youth Services, and more latterly, Maris 180. On September 21, many staff were delighted, though with mixed feelings, to gather at Lavella to give thanks, to celebrate and marked 22 years of dedicated, deeply committed, consistently supportive and wonderfully collaborated service that Jackie has generously offered and contributed to and at Maris 180. Beautiful words were spoken in both English and Maori, two of Jackie's tongues. Songs were sung, a haka performed, Blessings prayed, tears were shed. A range of colleagues spoke with love, appreciation and gratitude. Some of their words, these words included. Where do I begin? Since starting at Marist 16 years ago, you have always been here. You have been a consistent and dedicated support to all those you work with and a mother to all, including me. Everyone knows Jackie and the life she brings to Marist. As a new house manager way back when, you were always someone I looked up to and knew I could depend on for guidance. You were always so friendly and approachable, which I appreciated as someone who was shy and trying to build confidence in the role and in general. You kept it real whilst also giving me advice and support. At this time, I had a family that worked at Marist and they spoke so fondly of you and your dedication and I knew you were someone I could trust. I have always and will always admire your strength, dedication, calmness, caring nature and honesty. I personally thank you from the bottom of my heart and I'm sure that there are many young people out there that are better off having known you. Jackie, it has been an absolute pleasure working alongside you during your time at Marist. I know you have touched many people's hearts with your kind, warm and personable aura. You have been a valuable member of the Maris Farnu for over two decades, which is a huge achievement and tribute to your dedication, resilience and passion. Kia ora, koa ihoa. Jackie, I can't believe you are leaving. You have had a significant impact on this organisation across the many years of your tenure. The wisdom you have shared with myself and every other house manager, caseworker, therapeutic specialist and young person is incredible. I cannot tell you how thankful I am to have had your assistance over my time whilst at Maris 180. You truly are a blessing, Jackie, and I pray whatever it is in your future, it truly brings you peace and joy. Jackie, what an impact you have had on everyone you have come across. Your calm and caring nature made working alongside you easy. Marist 180 and the clients have been extremely blessed to have you serve here working many years. Enjoy your retirement. You will be missed. Jackie, with all your years at Marist, this is a sad moment that you are leaving us. You take with you all your experiences and knowledge and this will be missed. You are one of the strongest women I have ever met and I'll never forget you, you inspire me. And some reflections and response from Jackie. 
I have had such a plethora of emotions over the years that I have been at Maros 180, ranging from happiness, sadness, commitment, doubt, containment, freedom, helplessness, support, exhaustion, refreshment, and at times did not feel like going to work. However, it is amazing to have purpose in one's working life. Family gives one purpose and Marist Youth Care, Marist 180, became my extended family. I have made some very dear friends, met interesting colleagues and inspiring managers, along with young people who test and push you. And if you are smart, you bend, but you never break and sway alongside the young person. And coming up right after years of, quote, keeping my mouth shut and ears open, I genuinely want to thank all those I've worked with over the years, from youth workers, case workers, therapeutic specialists, administration staff, finance staff, management, and of course, all the young people that I've worked with. You have all enriched my life. Ka nuya ta aroha. Now, on to my next adventure. Kia ora kotua katoa. Maris 180 will mark 30 years of operation in 2024. Having Jackie front and centre in our Ministry of Service, Support and Care for some three quarters of this time is very special and deeply significant. This is only amplified and underlined through the heartfelt words and feelings of colleagues above. Jackie has been a keeper of the flame, an invaluable colleague, supporter, friend, a skillful and compassionate adult, working with many, many young people across more than two decades. Jackie's legacy is long and deep. It is founded on seeing the potential in others and in solidarity with the human family, first grown in Aotearoa and in recent years, suburban Eora and Darug. We salute, thank, celebrate and pay homage for the life and work of Jackie, one that St. Marsun could only observe endorse, affirm, and delight in. News from the Extended Secretariat of the Laity, International Forum for the Vocation of Lay Marists, by Nathan Ahern. Marists of Champagne in the Solomon Islands. Ruth Hihiru is the Lay Partnership Coordinator for the Solomon Islands and is inviting Marists of Champagne to consider the presence of God in their lives. The Marist communities in the Solomon Islands have been reflecting on what it means to be created and called, and making good use of the Marist Mission and Life Formation Team resources in their gatherings. A highlight was a reflection from Brother Robert O'Connor which invited participants to reflect on St. Therese of Lisieux's writing about God in nature and the metaphor of the fragrance of violets. Ruth invited participants to reflect on what God is asking of them in their community of the Solomon Islands. And this is a quote, A Glimpse into the Heart of God I have often asked myself why God has preferences and doesn't give all souls an equal amount of grace. And this is a quote from St. Therese. A glimpse into the heart of God. 
I have often asked myself why God has preferences and doesn't give all souls an equal amount of grace. But Jesus graciously explained the mystery to me. He showed me the book of nature. Then I understood that every flower he has made is beautiful. How the rose's brilliance and lily's whiteness don't reduce the little violet's perfume or the daisy's lovely simplicity. I saw that if all the lesser flowers wanted to be roses, nature would lose its springtime beauty, and the fields would no longer be patterned with the hues of little flowers. It is the same in the world of souls, which is Jesus' garden. He wanted to make great saints who may be compared to lilies and roses, but he has also created lesser ones, and these lesser ones must be content to rank as daisies and violets, flower at his feet and gladden his eyes when he looks at them. For perfection means doing his will, being what he wants us to be. Throughout October, groups of Champagnamaris in the Solomon Islands will come together to pray the rosary and reflect on the mysteries of Christ's life and Mary's gentle presence. Ruth is an important leader among the Maris communities and regularly shares ideas for formation and reflection amongst the various groups of Champagne Maris in the region. Let us continue to keep the broader Maris family of the Star of the Sea province in our hearts and prayers. This is the Archives article from Brother Michael Flanagan. The John Burns School Lewisham. We must keep them and form them. This year is the 25th anniversary of the opening of the John Burns School, formerly the Burn Education Centre, at Lewisham in the inner western suburbs of Sydney. This is a significant achievement for this small, special school, which is one of our religious institute schools. It exists to educate adolescents who have difficulty surviving in the mainstream education system and who may experience emotional and behavioural problems. The success of the school is a testament to the dedication and loving service of the staff and volunteers and to the constant support of the brothers, Mara Schools Australia, various Catholic education officers and many private and government organisations. Its motto, Hope Always, sums up the core belief operating at the foundations of Burn. It's always worth intervening in the life of a young person at risk. Here is a summary of the short life of Jean-Baptiste Burn, after whom the school is named. So much of it filled with hardship, loss and despair, until Champagne and his helpers stepped in. Jean-Baptiste Burn In 1820, the religious institute known as the Maris Brothers was but three years old. Their founder, St Marcelin Champagne, was busy with many things, but he steered the young congregation through its early years. However, he was also a curate in a parish and responsible for the spiritual and material welfare of many people. He was called one day to the bedside of a seriously ill woman to hear her confession. He found her in a destitute condition, even lacking any fuel for a fire. Marcelin consoled her whilst he heard her confession 
and asked her to place her trust in God. As well, knowing that this was not enough, he brought her all that would be necessary in the way of food, clothing and fuel. He procured a nurse for her and arranged a doctor for her. Sadly, she died soon afterwards. Champagne adopted the son she left behind, Jean-Baptiste Byrne, aged nine, and brought him to live with the brothers. The boy had known little love and no control. He had formed bad habits that had started to ruin his character and to corrupt his natural innocence. He resisted the efforts of the brothers to care for him, returning their love, food, clothing and education with insults and ingratitude. He could not settle into a normal home or school routine and ran away several times, taking up the life of a vagrant. Each time the brothers searched him out and brought him back home. Some of them became discouraged and felt the boy to be a hopeless case, a waste of time and meagre resources. Most felt that Jean-Baptiste would be sent away before too long. Not so Champagne. He urged the brothers to be patient, to pray for the boy, and to remember that he had nowhere else to go. To send him away was to send him to a life of poverty, crime and loneliness. Champagne believed that the Lord had entrusted the boy to him and to the brothers, and he was to be treated as if he was their own child. We have adopted this child. We have no right to abandon him. We must keep him and form him. With courage and perseverance, the efforts of the brothers and Champagne prevailed, and the boy was turned around. He settled down to a normal life and accepted the help, love, and the kindness being offered him. In time, he asked to be admitted to the institute, and Champagne joyfully agreed. Jean-Baptiste Byrne became known in religion as Brother Nillemon in 1825. Unfortunately, he was to die at the tender age of 21 on the 10th of October, 1830, in the arms of Champagne, after thanking him for all that he had done for him. It is worth noting some bedrock Marist values in this recounting of the story. The no-nonsense response to those in need. The provision of material help as well as spiritual and emotional. Champagne's response was holistic, long before we had coined a word to describe it. The belief that God sends people to us to be cared for and educated. The reality that many young people who come to us have nowhere else to go. And most of all, these young people are to be treated as if they are our own children. Note what turns the boy around. Patience, kindness, prayer, courage, perseverance, presence and hard work. And a final note. Although Jean wanted to be a brother, Champagne takes time with his formation, about four years in the novitiate. Human growth is a slow work, and a person must be ready for what is the next step. Well, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please continue in your special way, the work of St. Marcelin Champagne. Blessings to you all. Have a great day, and we'll be back for the Christ Life November edition. St. Marcelin Champagne, pray for us. And may we always remember to pray for one another.
Bye for now.